Welcome to Ask Dr. Julie Hanks, a safe place for healing conversations that educate and empower you to prioritize your dreams, revolutionize your family, and personalize your faith. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Hanks, a psychotherapist and coach offering online courses and programs to help women all over the world heal themselves and their relationships. Join me here every week as I coach a listener through a specific challenge and empower them with tools to find healing. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me. I am excited about today's live or tonight's live. I am going to be welcoming Rosie Card, and she is amazing. She'll be joining us soon. She is a former runway model, and she is the founder and CEO of QNOR Temple Dress Clothing and LDS Products. So, um, oh, we have hi from New Zealand. Hi from Kansas. Welcome. Welcome. Let me know where you're joining from. So Rosie's going to be joining shortly. And if you have questions, there's a question and answer option, I think at the bottom of your screen here, or you can type questions in the comment. But today's topic is going to be setting healthy boundaries at church. So with interviews, with uh, callings, that's a big one. We got a lot of questions about callings. Okay, we have Rosie coming on here. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm so good. Good. Just trying to get my thing all set up. Awesome. So we have people from Hawaii, Arizona, New Zealand, Vegas, Vegas, Utah, Denver, North Carolina. So any Seattle, Washington, lots of different different locations here. So welcome. I kind of introduced you already as a former runway model, right? And CEO of QNOR clothing. And is it just is it still called QNOR Temple Dresses or What's the official name? Yeah, so the official name is just QNOR. Um, we used to have a handle that was QNOR underscore temple dresses. So it felt like that was the name, but we luckily, the gods of Facebook smiled down on us and we were able to get our proper handle. But yeah, just QNOR. And then um, I have a new brand called Cardware that I'm running. Yeah, that's me. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks for joining me today. I just, I love following you on Instagram and I love what you have to say. And so you were who I wanted to talk with about setting healthy boundaries regarding church interviews, callings, just boundaries in general. In my therapy practice, I found that sometimes Latter-day Saints don't have the most healthy boundaries. (laughs) Have you found that in your experience? Yeah, I think, I think we, we really like foster close relationships um, and we foster talking about what can be really vulnerable topics and that can lead to boundaries being kind of like gray or mushy or just non-existent altogether. And there's also a lot of pressure to follow certain norms for example like always saying yes to callings that's kind Mm. of uh, I think a cultural standard that we have um, that doesn't really work well with healthy boundaries big blanket statements I feel like in healthy boundaries don't usually work well together yes yeah one of them um, a common one that I've seen in my practice is kind of the notion that you're always a parent right so we have all these parents of adult children still trying to parent their adult children, because it's a calling you're never released from. So I've seen that a lot, um, some issues regarding boundaries and and parenting, uh, especially with adult children. Yeah. And that's, and that's a tricky one. Like I've, um, there's a, I know you've done a podcast with Dr. Brad Reedy. um, Mm -hmm. And I think the, the parent child relationship can be tricky. And the thing that I see amongst my peers right now a lot is parents that are looking to their children to parent them. Um, So Mm -hmm. parents who aren't um, respecting the boundaries of children and kind of owning their own feelings and their, like I say, and Brad says, like their own circle Mm -hmm. and turning to the children and saying like the children need to manage the parents' feelings. The children need to make sure that the parents feel okay. Um, Mm -hmm. When I just think, 
that's that's not a child's job. A parent, the child didn't ask to be born, and it's it's the parent's job to kind of be an adult and take care of themselves so that they can be a sufficient parent for a child. Yes, amen. I totally agree. I totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, how about let's talk about interviews, bishops' interviews. What's your take yeah. on that? And um, I think that we could introduce consent more all across mm. the board. A very common thing I've seen is this idea that like, if someone says, what is this interview? If someone gets called in to talk to a bishop, um, a bishop can say like, oh, I'll tell you what it's about when you get here. And I think it's okay to say, I would like to be able to be prepared. And I would like to know what we're going to talk about before I get to this interview. And it's okay to ask that. And I think often that might feel uncomfortable. And there's a definitely like an interesting power dynamic at play. Mm -hmm. Uh, But ultimately, like we are adults. Um, It's a different story when it comes to child and bishop interviews, but we're adults. And I think we should have the right to be able to say, like, I want to make sure that I'm consenting to this conversation ahead of time. And also, I just think it's, I mean, there's so many things about interviews, right? Like yeah. you can, I just recently got married and I'm 32 years old. So I um, had a lot of interviews as a single woman, which meant sometimes over the course of, you know, 10 years or so getting asked sexual questions by a bishop. And I got really comfortable saying like, why do you need to know that? Like, mm-hmm. why, why are you asking me that question? Or I'm not comfortable talking about that with you because that is not something I want to feel like is normal. I don't want to normalize talking about sexual things with a stranger, essentially. Yeah. Even if it's a guy that I know well in my ward, still not a not <laughs> Especially a if, it, if you know them, right? No, it's like, like I, you're, you know, I'm trying to think of a random name that's never been a bishop that I've had. Like, Daniel, you're a great bishop right now, but I don't, I don't want to talk about sexual things with you. Not now, not ever. No, I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about those interviews and, and children. Mm -hmm. What are some boundaries that you think are important when children are being interviewed by bishops? Um, So I can only speak obviously from my perspective and I'm not a parent yet, but I definitely something I've thought of. And for me, it's while the children are very young, I plan to be there because I don't think it's appropriate to normalize children having very personal conversations with men that aren't, you know, a dad or a close father figure. And especially when it comes to talking about sexual topics, I just think that's, that's not appropriate. And I always want my children to know that I have their back Mm -hmm. and that I'm going to be there to say like, no, that's not okay. And that I'm going to be there to guide them rather than just kind of like, hope this works out well for you. Because I do know a lot of women who have been in really bad situations in interviews with bishops, even well-meaning bishops. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. I I think as a parent, it's our job to set those boundaries. In addition to kind of the content, I think it's important for parents to know when the child or teen is being called in. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to give consent before my child is called in to meet with another adult Mm -hmm. behind closed doors. So just consent for the interview in general, and then knowing about, you know, what, what the content of it is going to be. Yeah. And I think if there's a time where, you know, a teenager wants to meet alone with a bishop, I think that's totally fine. But I will make sure that my teenager has the tools and skills necessary in order to make sure that that's a safe experience. Mm. If I don't feel like the child is in a place where they're able to advocate for themselves or they're, like I said, like that they just don't have the right tools or skills yet, then I do feel like it's the parent's responsibility to say, like, I understand that you want to do this alone. I don't think we're ready for that. And they are still legally children. And so that is my first priority as a parent is my child rather than like following the structure and the culture of the church. My child's protection is my first priority. Mm, Love it. Love it. What are some other areas where you've had to 
really be mindful of boundaries relating to church interactions. Yeah. Um, one thing that's, I think, important for me to always remember is that, like, boundaries are not tools for me to control other people. I can't control other people. Boundaries are tools to, like, protect myself. And, and they always have, like, they always relate to me personally. And so I know myself better than anyone else. And so I know when I need to place a boundary and when I don't. And so I think boundaries can apply to like any situation. It can be, you know, how comfortable are you going to church? How comfortable are you accepting a calling? How comfortable are you? I'm trying to think of like any situation with visiting teaching. So, okay. So here's an example. When I was in the my last mid-singles ward, it was a large ward, high turnover, and I wasn't in a place where going to like mid-singles activities or anything like that was something that I needed or was interested in. So nothing about my ward was social. I went to church, took the sacrament, um, sometimes participated in Sunday School and Relief Society, but mostly I just was there for church and then left. And because it's high turnover, I was getting assigned a lot of different visiting teachers. It felt like about every month I was getting different visiting teachers. And because of my work on social media and because of some unfortunate bad experiences, I'm not really super comfortable having my address and my private phone number uh, shared with people that I don't know. So it was really uncomfortable for me that every month that I was getting a text from a new stranger saying like, hey, I'm your visiting teacher, um, I follow you, or sometimes they, you know, they didn't always say that. And it just, it just made me uncomfortable. And it felt like I was losing control of my privacy. And so I reached out to the Relief Society president, I believe at the time, and I said, you know, this is a great, um, ministering is a great thing. Um, fully in support of it, not something I want to participate in, in at this time. And I gave some reasons. And she was really great and said, like, that's totally fine. We'll take you off. Unfortunately, the next month I was getting a new text from someone and I just had to kind of advocate for myself and reach out again and say, hey, as I mentioned, I don't want to be involved in ministering. Like, will you please remove my name from the list? And some people might see that as like bad or rude or anything. But for me, it was like, this is not really something I want to participate in right now. And rather than kind of keeping that to myself and then getting annoyed and upset or bothered every month when someone reached out, I just took it upon myself to say like, I don't want to be a part of this. And I think that's totally fine for us to do. Yeah, I agree. With regarding ministering, I told my Relief Society president, uh, this is how I will do it. I don't want a companion and I want one person and I promise I will do it. If I have mm -hmm. a companion, I won't do it. Like I just mm -hmm. know, you know, schedules and all that stuff. So no companion and give me one person and I will do it. And so that was my boundary. Like if, if you want me to do it, this is, this is what works for me. Yeah. And, and I, that worked and they respected that. I think that's great. I think, and I, again, I can only speak from my experience, but growing up, I feel like I saw through you know all different people a pattern of women accepting responsibilities and then behind closed doors kind of griping about it and being annoyed about it or overwhelmed by it um and that was problematic for me because I kind of learned that like oh sometimes people will say yes that they want to help you and be really enthusiastic but behind closed doors they don't want to do it they don't, they don't actually want to help you. Um, they are put out by this service opportunity. And so that's been something that I've had to kind of relearn that like trusting when people say they want to help or when they try to do something nice for me, that they are being sincere in that. And they're not kind of like holding it against me privately. But I think we do need to take responsibility that like, if we say yes to it, to something, whether it's bringing someone a meal or a calling, that while we can sometimes be overwhelmed by it and feel burned out, that we said yes to that responsibility 
but also knowing that you can say no and you can say, you know what, that worked for me six months ago. It doesn't work for me anymore. And you can pass on whatever clipboard is getting passed around for signups. If that's not going to work for you, just let it pass by. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. We have a lot of really great comments going on. They're talking about how you can block your contact information on LDS tools. That's an option to keep it private. I'll just add a little note about that because I have some experience. So you can do that option, but you're, even when you say just make it available to leadership, it still is available to anyone with a calling that might need your phone number. So anyone like in Sunday school, Relief Society, primary, it still is basically open to anyone with a calling. And so I think it takes like talking to your bishop and making sure that there is like an extra layer of lockdown um, Mm. because just a simple switch through LDS tools that says like private doesn't mean that like only your bishop or bishopric can see it. Okay. Which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, that is a bummer. Yeah. looks like, um, so we had people submit questions ahead of time, and it looks like we also have seven questions that have been submitted through this live. So I'm going to just throw some out for us to talk about. Cool. Okay. How do you decline invitations to church to read talks people send uh, about conferences? How do you decline respectfully? Like when people drop off talks on your door kind of Yeah. <laughs> Or going um, to church and you're not currently attending or anything like that. Yeah, I was just thinking about the talk drop off recently. Um, one, like, I wish we all could think, I mean, I feel like the anonymous talk drop off usually happens to people who have tried to place a boundary and said, like, they want to limit their activity with the church. And I just would, I wish that people who are ignoring that boundary and still doing the anonymous talk drop off that they would think like, how would it feel if someone was dropping off like uh, what they would probably consider anti-Mormon literature on their doorstep? Like it's just not polite. Um, And this idea that like, well, we know what's best for them. And sometimes we have to do it, even if they ask us not to like that, I hope we can kind of like close the chapter on that practice, put it to bed, let it be in the past because it's it's not polite and i i don't think very many people respond well to a boundary like that being disrespected and then on the flip side also i think people if that happens to you and your boundaries are disrespected you're totally justified in feeling um, hurt or upset for me personally i try to put into perspective like i know this person is just trying to do what they believe is kind Um, I think it's misguided and not kind of like up to date with cultural understandings of what is polite. Um, But I'm going to remember that they most likely have the best intentions. And if I need to, if I know who it is, I can reach out to them directly and say, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you again to not do this. And that can be hard. Mm -hmm. but, But I feel like it's one of those things like the more you practice just being straight and honest with people, the easier it gets. I totally agree. Boundaries are, are skills. It takes practice and skill. Yeah. Um, For those of you asking if we will save this live, we will. So it will be available uh, after we're done. So if you miss some, you can go back. All right. Let's look uh, for another question here. I have three callings and absolutely hate all three. (laughs) What should I do? (laughs) I would love to know your advice, Dr. Haynes. My, like my uh, unprofessional advice would be just like, take an honest account of your life and say like, what, because sometimes stretching is good, right? Like sometimes pushing ourselves can be good, but the whole like, don't run faster than you have strength thing is very real and ask to be released. That's, that is totally fine. And it, you can ask to be released. And I've been in situations where a bishop felt like, well, I felt really inspired to call you to this calling. 
and to invite you to do that. And I've just kind of said very politely, like, and did you follow through on that inspiration of inviting me? You did. That's so great. That, <laughs> Brilliant. Like, you did it. <laughs> you followed through on your prompting. The My personal revelation and my personal feeling is that this isn't the right fit for me right now. So thank you for asking me. Um, kind of trying to like, you did your part. Now this is, we're entering my circle. Um, and I'm going to say no, or I'm going to ask to be released at this time. It's okay to have limitations. It's okay to... <laughs> Sometimes we think that we should be able to do everything we're asked and we are limited in resources and energy and time. So yeah, and I, maybe, I agree. And I think maybe the Bishop was inspired to ask you to that calling so that you could have the opportunity of building the experience and muscle of knowing what your limits are so that you can say no. Like maybe you were inspired. Maybe that's that, the lesson. Maybe that's the lesson. Maybe that's yeah. why he was inspired to ask you is so that you could have the experience of saying like, that doesn't work for me. And I'm going to kind of like, I'm going to stick up for myself and advocate for myself. Thank you. That's, that's great. Okay. How to support a spouse's calling when I feel like I'm second to the calling. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, have you answer that one because I have friends because I have friends who like uh, I'm thinking of one sweet friend in particular her entire childhood teen adult life um, her dad has had really like important callings and she says like she always felt like she her family came second to the church and the calling and I think that's so sad yeah yeah so I I think it's time to have a very serious conversation with your husband, you know, to say, look, I, I feel like I'm not important and I'm not okay with that. Like this, I am more important than your calling and we need to make some changes mm -hmm. if you want me to support you in this. Mm -hmm. And I need to give a shout out to my husband who is currently serving as Bishop and he is totally engaged at home I've never felt unimportant or devalued. He's very involved with our kids. So it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people use callings as an excuse to check out of home life. And that's, I don't think that that is pleasing to the Lord. I don't yeah. think that's the priorities that we should, we should have. So agreed. All right. Um, a lot of questions about turning down callings. Oh, oh, this is an interesting one. Can we normalize food catering? There is too much burden on women expecting to provide uh, to provide food for people and for church activities. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So <laughs> I love that. And you can say no, right? You can say, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't take a meal or or I'll drop off, you know. Um, bake it yourself pizza or or I'll or, Venmo you or I'll Venmo you 30 bucks to DoorDash whatever you want right right or hand it around in elders corn I don't mm -hmm. know where women got tagged with food like that that's somehow a woman's thing yeah I I, I don't know I think men are very capable of of making food so yeah and I think it like I've seen it happen in elders quorums before I've heard of it. I haven't actually been in elders quorum that this happens, but I feel like it means you like you just need one good dude in there to go in there and kind of be like, hey guys, we're doing this. Like we're fully capable. We're taking on this responsibility and and to help normalize it. But we definitely need more male allies in that sense because it is something that like it always falls on the women. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like our cultural tradition. And it is something that's going to take support from both sides in order to change. Um, but yeah, I think the practice or our tradition of providing food in times of need is like so, so sweet. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we've, we all have been blessed or I hope but that most of us have been blessed by a meal that's shown up on the doorstep. Uh, it has, I think it does get tricky when like there starts to be an expectation 
that that that's going to happen. I think operating with like very minimal expectations for other people, especially people that like aren't close family and friends is usually the best. And so I think we can take on a responsibility of if there is something coming up in our lives where we know that we're going to need that kind of support to do the best that we can to arrange that amongst our close family and friends, like go to our first line of defense first. Um, Of course, not everyone has that privilege or the blessing of having close family and friends. And so the ward is there absolutely to support in that way. But I, in my own life, choose to treat that as like, something special that a ward offers. And so I want to reserve people's strength to go to people who do really need it um, and people who don't have that kind of support. I do have that support in my life. And so I'm going to go, like I'm going to draw from my own well, if you will, first. And so to kind of keep the the well of the church, the Relief Society, hopefully the elders quorum um, full for those who don't have a, a deep well to draw from on their own. I really like that. Thank you, Rosie. Yeah. There have been a lot of comments about can we get professional cleaners to clean the church? And we used to have professional yeah. cleaners and then they stopped and decided that members should, but they still hire people to do the outside work at the church, the yard. Yeah. So how can we hire people to do the lawns and trim the bushes, but we can't hire people for cleaning? I so, wish they would. I, I know. Think- Or even like, this is something that I think like it would be really cool if we brought back like tithes in kind, like we used to do, like people used to be able to tithe with like extra gardens and that kind of stuff. And I think people who maybe have extra time, but limited cash might be able to tithe in like helping clean the church. Uh, That might Mm -hmm. be a service opportunity that's more reasonable for them rather than donating cash. But I agree, like it, to me, it seems like what a great opportunity, like we obviously have the money. It's, it is, there can be no argument for a financial aspect. Uh, what a great opportunity to provide more jobs. Like it's yeah. as simple as that in my mind, like that's, those are jobs. And there are people and are usually it's the people in, I feel like every ward that shows up to clean, that it's like, they're the last people on earth that should be there cleaning. You know what I mean? It's like the people right. that are giving 110% are then giving another 10% by showing up to clean on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, I mean, just think those people deserve a break. I I agree. So like, I don't know, should we sign a petition? I don't know how to, <laughs> how to do that, right? <laughs> if everyone, I'm not advocating for this, but I do think if everyone just stopped, it Yeah, I agree. It would change it, right? Okay, I'm going to look at some of the questions in the Q&A here. And I think that'll show up. Okay, how to politely tell the Relief Society presidency to stop showing up uh, at my house unannounced? Oh, that's another big one. We got to stop showing up unannounced. Yeah, so how would you you put that? I'm curious, Rosie. (laughs) I get, I get flustered when people show up at my house unannounced. Like I, <laughs> the, the unannounced is so jarring. Um, I'm trying to think. I would probably, I mean, if it's in the moment and I'm in a position where like I'm working or it and it's not convenient for me, um, I of course you want to always treat people well right you always want to be polite but I also would kind of recognize that they in this situation aren't really taking politeness into consideration and so it's okay for me to say like oh you know what this doesn't work for me and I know that that makes like a lot of people want to like crawl out of their skin but I just think like they're not being super polite to me. And so I don't need to go above and beyond to like bend over backwards to be super polite to them. Um, Not that being honest and straight with people is impolite, but if it didn't work for me, I would say like, thank you so much for coming by. This is not a good time for me. Um, In the future, please text me um, and we can set up a a time that works. Or I might just reach out to them directly afterwards and say like, you know, I I really appreciate your love. And I understand that this belief is coming from a place of love and um, outreach. 
this doesn't work for me. And I would really appreciate it if you didn't come by unannounced. And then I feel like if they don't respect that, I don't open the door. Like that, that for me is like, I, I can only control myself through boundaries. And that doesn't mean that someone's going to choose to respect my boundaries, but I can control how I react. And not that I want to, I don't want to use the word consequences, but I can um, say like, if this boundary isn't going to be respected, this is how I reacted for me. If I had directly re- requested um, that they don't stop by unannounced, my natural reaction, if that wasn't respected, would be just leave them on the doorstep. Yeah. 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 It's okay to not answer the door. Like, oh, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> busy. Sorry. Yeah. All right. A knock on the door does not mean an answer at all times. Totally. Um, okay. Here is one. I don't think it's appropriate to be asked about how I wear my underwear in a temple interview. Mm. So how would you set boundaries around that? Yeah. <laughs> my, my response when I get asked about how I wear my underwear in a temple recommend is I say, I'm not really comfortable talking about my underwear. And that that's, works. That's all I say. <laughs> because them having to push on that answer is like immensely, it's even more uncomfortable. Like, I don't think, I mean, there might be some like kind of shady dudes who want to have that conversation, but I think the average guy serving in a bishopric doesn't want to ask me about my underwear. And so when I just say, I'm actually not really comfortable talking about my underwear, they just are like, cool. All right. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Almost, I feel like they might be grateful, but yeah, I just say, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. Okay. I, I agree. That's a great yeah. way to handle it. Here's another one. How can I set a boundary with family members that I don't have to explain why I'm not Orthodox anymore? Yeah. I would just say like, you don't, you don't have to explain that. And uh, and it, for me, it would be as simple as like, there's certain family members that I know I can't have certain conversations with because our perspectives are so different and we're not in a place where we can have healthy conversations around it. So we just choose to not have those conversations. So if someone was trying to initiate a conversation like that, and I didn't feel like it was going to be healthy, I could just say like, no, I'm just going to, I don't, let's not talk about that. Or I'm not comfortable talking about that. And they can stamp their feet. I imagine if it's like a parental situation, they might give a reason of, you know, well, I'm your parent, blah, 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 blah. And if you're an adult, I think you have every right and probably teens as well or children to say like, you know, I respect your feelings, but I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. And I would just say, don't explain it. Just say, oh, I'm not Orthodox. Yeah. Hey, yep. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, what I'm processing right now, like in my own personal relationships is trying to gauge, like, is this coming from a place of love and support? Like is someone's underlying mission, like how I'm trying to better understand you so that I can like, what does love and support look like to you? Or is it, I want to have this discussion with you because I, I want to kind of tell you where you're wrong. And that's the kind of conversation that I don't want to engage in. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Let's let's see here. Um, oh, here's a here's a good one that probably applies to many people watching. How to overcome guilt around setting boundaries relating to church. Mm. Have you ever had guilt about setting boundaries? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's in some ways kind of like built into our culture, right? Like, right. I mean. I grew up with stories of, you know, this ancestor said no to this calling and then their life fell apart afterwards and they financially were ruined afterwards. And it's like, oh my gosh, like you can't, you can't say no to callings because then you're going to lose the house. Like that kind of stuff is so damaging. I think allowing yourself to feel it so that you can go through it. You know, like feel it for a a second, acknowledge what it is, try to gather like how much of this is cultural, is any of this like, do I feel like it's any of it is helpful or divine? 
um, being okay with feeling it and then giving yourself permission to kind of like pass through that tunnel. I tend to kind of swing the opposite direction of being like, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel guilty, but that's not always a hundred percent true. And I want to give myself, I want to practice giving myself more permission to be like, well, I do feel guilty. And a lot of that is because of my cultural upbringing and I'm going to like acknowledge that I feel that, but I'm not going to allow it to consume me. Mm. Yeah. I like that. I want to add a little bit. Usually guilt comes from a should, like I should not set boundaries or I should accept this calling or I should. Mm. And, and we rarely challenge those like, well, really says who, and do I believe that? And is that working for me to live by that rule? You know, we kind of just, yeah, we kind of just go along with things because that's how we're taught. And the beauty of growing up is you can question those assumptions. Uh, And that's one way to, to get at the, at the guilt. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, here's one. I feel like I was taught to always say yes and sacrifice because that's what Jesus did. (laughs) Um, I love the stories. Uh, I, I love the story of when, when Christ found out that John the Baptist, his like best friend, his cousin had been murdered, beheaded. He first went up into the mountains by himself. And he took time to take care of himself. He also did this really sweet thing where he sent angels to comfort and be with John's followers who were with him at the time. Um, but he did take time to be in the mountain by this by himself. There's times when Christ goes into the boat out on the Sea of Galilee by himself. There are times where he's, you know, in the desert or the wilderness by himself. And that what that teaches me personally, of course, that can mean something different for everyone else, is that. Christ respected himself um, and Christ did take care of himself. And also we are not Christ, (laughs) right? Like we definitely want to be him and we want to strive to follow his example. But at the end of the day, you are not Jesus Christ. And so it is totally, um, I think, normal and accepted to understand that you operate at a different capacity than Jesus Christ did. Yeah. I love it. And he could sacrifice because he had a fully developed sense of self. He had fully developed in in all areas. And we are not fully developed. We have to invest in ourselves. <laughs> and and he was he was fully developed and we're not. So I I wholeheartedly agree. Right. Um, let's see what other questions we have here. Some really good ones. Um, when do children start having interviews? This is a question in the chat. I'm a convert, so I don't really know, but I'm trying to prep myself as my kids get older. Um, probably just before they turn eight, right? Would be the first children's interview in preparation for baptism. And then is it yearly through teenage years after that? Sometimes even twice a year, like six months, I think, when they get close to missionary age. I'll I'll have to ask my husband. But yeah, and most, I think the most baptism interviews are with the parents. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, and they shouldn't be asking anything, anything inappropriate (laughs) to an eight-year-old, right? Like, or older kids, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think parents that we can take on the responsibility, obviously, I think there have been changes in the last couple of years around like what bishops are asking. And I think that takes a while for kind of like the news to travel to everyone um, or to be even accepted by everyone. So my plan is just to make sure if I wasn't going to be in an interview or just to make sure that I communicate in private with the bishop prior and just get on the page, same page of like, what are you planning to ask so that I can make sure that this is something that we're comfortable with. I think that's, that is totally, totally kosher and within your rights as a parent. So what I'm curious, what do you think about the temple recommend interviews if if a leader wants you to like explain your answer more and you aren't comfortable is that an appropriate place to set a boundary 
I think so. I think in any situation, whether it's a family member, a bishop, a friend, a spouse, like it's totally they're able to want that, but that doesn't mean I have to do that for them. Uh, they're able to request that I expand, but I can say like, you know, I don't, I want to think about that more and I can, you know, we can talk later if I feel comfortable sharing more or it's okay to say like, um, that's, that's a good answer for me. And I, I want to stress that like in the moment, obviously this is easier said than done. And something that I do, which might be weird, but I actually learned it a lot as a teacher in the MTC is like practicing role playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friends and I used to do this in college, like before we'd break up with someone. Hey, we behave. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to say what I think I'm going to say. And my friends would kind of be like, okay, but what if he says this? Or what if he gives this reason? And I would be like, okay, how would I respond? And there's something about like practicing. I just think like normalized practice, like practicing hard conversations you know, pull a, a trusted loved one aside and saying, I'm going into this interview and I, I think the bishop is going to ask me about blank. Would you mind like running through this with me? Because when we're in the heat of the moment, there is again, a power dynamic at play. And we sometimes feel like we have to just like spill our guts and ex- completely expose ourselves to this person. And you just do not have to. Mm-hmm. You do not have we are in charge yeah. of our lives and who we interact with and how we interact. It's, it's up to us. Yeah. Yes. Uh, here's a comment. I asked my state president and he explicitly said that saying you're uncomfortable with a question will be seen as refusing to answer. And my child cannot have a recommend. Wow. Unrighteous dominion is such a wild thing. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't, Julie, what do you think about that? Um, I would, I would go talk to the state president and say, that's, that's inappropriate. My child, I'm teaching them to have boundaries and set boundaries when they're uncomfortable. And I think this is emotionally damaging. And there's always someone higher up that you could go to, <laughs> right? You could. Like, there's the bishop and then the stake president. And then if you feel like that the stake president is being inappropriate, which they are human and totally reasonable that they may do that, you can go to the area authorities. Unfortunately, like, I feel like we are at the disadvantage, right? Like, it might be more realistic that they will get supported by their higher authority. And sometimes I think that means like, yeah, they might, they do have the power to deny you a recommend. Mm-hmm. Like, or your child. And I do have that power. And so you have to, I think you have to choose like what's more important to me, like respecting my own boundary and like um, advocating for myself or uh, having this recommend. It, it, it's a really unfortunate like kind of battle that we have to address. Yeah. I think it can be a learning experience for kids too to say that state president was wrong. And, you know, I don't agree with this. And I, I think you deserve a recommend. And this, this is wrong. Like just like leaders make mistakes. And this is one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We have calling out for unrighteous dominion. Review the handbook. It should be support you being uncomfortable. Let's see. Oh, in interviews about breaking the law of chastity, the bishop is supposed to assess worthiness what if you're not comfortable telling them i think that's really valid because i think that's not a normal thing and so it's normal to feel uncomfortable with that yeah so you would just say go with your personal authority on that your personal revelation yes that has always worked well for me understanding what i believe of the law chastity and making sure that like I am in line with what the spirit tells me. Um, and ultimately I decide whether or not I am worthy um, because no one knows more than me. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know how to say like, I don't, I don't leave that up to another person to interpret. 
Well, and, and the temple recommend questions are yes and no questions. And they're for us to judge ourselves. Like you were saying, it's for us to judge ourselves. We say yes or no. Yeah. And I don't think they're supposed to ask any further questions. Right. All right. Um, bishops always seem to probe on details about what happened. What is appropriate? I think it's important to talk to kids about where the line is with that. If you think it's even appropriate to have those conversations at all, or if they ask for any details to say, you know, my mom said, I don't have to tell you, <laughs> you know, like blame it on the parents. But I yeah. think it's having boundaries are very appropriate. Yes. And I will say as someone who was single for a long time, and again, had lots of those interviews as a single person. So I've, I haven't had any interviews as a married person, so I don't know if it would come up as much, but I definitely have been asked questions that are wildly inappropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, when I was younger, answered questions that were wildly inappropriate. And so I like now kind of just to like underscore what we've said, like the questions should I would leave it at pretty yes and no, um, pretty surface level, unless that is something that you want counsel on and you want to go in and talk further. But I would hope that like consider the norm to be yes and no. Um, and yeah, you don't, you don't need to go further. Yeah. Uh, Christ didn't ask for any details of the women accused of adultery. Good cool. point. Very My beautiful. Girl, thank you. Yeah. All right. Any any final words on boundaries relating to church interactions, callings, interviews? Do you have anything to say, Rosie? Um, I would just probably underscore that point again that like boundaries are there for you to protect you they're not there to control others um a great great book that i love is called the dance of anger um which is kind of like i don't really get why the title is that for what it is um it brenny brown gives it to all of her friends who are in they get engaged i just think it's a wonderful book for any relationship and relationships within the you know bishop person relationship is real and just ward relationships and it just really stresses like taking accountability for things that you say yes and no to um taking accountability for like how you respect boundaries and i just think it's so so helpful for anyone who is wanting to kind of have a little bit more guidance and the way that the book goes through is it gives like different kind of stories and it's so easy to see yourself in any of those stories mm, that's great that's great yeah. Really good book. I want to give a shout out to, to my um, assertiveness guide for women book. Um, if you need some help and ideas, that's also a good book to start with. Um, and anything you want to share about what you're up to or projects you're working on, or I know you're excited about hardware. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, one thing that I would just share is, well, what do I want to share? For those who aren't familiar, I have a uh, book that's like a digital download called House of Light, and it's a guide to the temple experience. That's one thing that I feel like after I've been working as I have a temple dress company for almost seven years. So I've talked to like thousands of women who are preparing to go to the temple or just went to the temple or went to the temple when they're young and never went back again. And I just think we are just so unprepared for that experience. And so House of Light is a guide that I essentially like digitally, like hold your hand and tell you what is going to happen from the moment you enter the doors to the moment you leave. And there are great study guides about every covenant that is made. Law of Chastity study guide written by yours truly. Yes. 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 I wrote that chapter. That was so, so nice of you to invite me. So grateful for that input. Um, but I think that's just one example for me of um, kind of saying like, okay, 
I am not happy with the experience, the temple prep experience that is provided to me. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands and do something about it rather than just choosing to be upset and gripey about it. Saying like, I'm going to do something about it. Part of the solution. Yes. Highly recommend it. (laughs) And and yeah, a cardware is a women's, well, I guess it's everyone, it's for everyone, a clothing line based around like female empowerment and positive mental health and just good, good things. Wonderful. And I also want to share um, next month in April, we're talking about setting boundaries with all of these church-related topics, uh, how to do it. So we're diving in in my membership group in April. So if you're interested, uh, any of you watching, if you're interested, please join us. Uh, You'll have access to all my courses, a private Facebook group. There's group coaching. Um, You can ask me questions in the Facebook group. I'm in there just all the time. Um, It's really, it's it's a great value. It's like a fraction of what one therapy session costs and you you get for the whole month, you can can, uh, work with me. So I'd love to have you join my membership group at drjuliehanks.com. Um, and what's what website? Where, qnor.com is where they can get House of Light, Rosie? Yeah. So okay. qnor.com is where you can find House of Light and more information on it. And then Cardware is just cardware.co. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, Rosie. You Thank are you, delightful. Always love chatting with you. And uh, I appreciate you, even out of town, taking time to do this. So happy to. All right. Thank you for the opportunity. Sure. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And um, have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ask Dr. Julie Hanks, a podcast helping real women seek solutions to life's biggest challenges. If you'd like to learn more, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Julie Hanks and at drjuliehanks.com, where you'll find information about virtual groups, coaching, and online courses. For therapy services in Utah, visit wasatchfamilytherapy.com. thought, hey, I want to talk to Dr. Julie Hanks about this question. Well, now's your chance. I want to have you on my podcast. So email hello at drjuliehanks.com with your question and the reason why you want to be on the podcast. And we may just choose you for a free coaching session.